Good morning, Highland. Glad that we're able to do this today and be able to be together on this morning. And I hope that as you're gathered with your family and your loved ones, that this message today will encourage you to think about God's word and how it applies to your life. And I hope that if you're watching and perhaps you're not used to going to church and you're curious or this is a time for your own perhaps spiritual renewal, that you also will be encouraged today as we have our morning Sunday morning message. We're standing in our fellowship hall here at the building and I think about all the different fun activities and the fellowship meals and all the things that reflect the community of, of Highland here, the love that we, we see here. This is, this is no shrine. We're just temporarily not able to meet together. But when we do, I look forward to the time when we can uh, bring that joy and love right back in to this place. So until then, I just will enjoy the memories. But as we think about that, and we think about the, the fellowship that perhaps we are missing, I know I am, I wanted us to, to think about our, our lesson idea today from a traditional biblical story, one that if you grew up in church, you're familiar with Noah and the ark, uh, you know about the sin of mankind, and the story that is often found throughout Scripture, but also in our own uh, historical experiences, how we, we tend to drift toward evil and immorality. And in this story, we see God intervening in time and space and in real history. I, I believe that the flood story was historical. And we see that God intervenes by bringing destruction because the thoughts and intentions of man were evil continuously. So as a response to that, God calls a man by the name of Noah. And Noah is charged to build an ark. That this ark will house himself and his family. This ark will house animals and any of those people that, that Noah could invite and convince to come into the ark because a great flood was coming up. And in this deluge, you have God bringing punishment and wrath on sin. In this ultimate sense of justice, evil is punished. I want to use this story, and I want us to think about the, the faith that went into it. I want us to think about uh, the, the, the reflection of what that faith can be for us, and also the reality that when we don't follow God, and we see people doing what God asks them to do, there is a consequence for us but ultimately, I want us to, to sort of explore briefly what it means for us to live in our own ark at this time. And so this story of the ark is, I think, a great place for us to explore and think about our lives right now. So much of our life right now is in isolation. It, you, I could not have imagined that as 2019 came to a close... And I had some traveling that I did. I went to Tennessee for Fried Hardeman's uh, Bible lectures. And I just couldn't imagine that come March, and even to this very moment, we would be practicing 
social distancing. And social distancing, uh, essential jobs, essential roles, uh, all this new common vocabulary now that we are all talking about and we're using containment and, and, and you know, lower the curve and you know, all of these new things that have become current. How long will this last? I don't know. But I do know that we have an opportunity to grow in faith and grow in a relationship with God and a relationship with the people we are uh, living with and, uh, and be able to use that as an opportunity to trust in God even more. So we are isolated, but we're not disconnected. We are isolated, but we're not disconnected. And that perhaps is, I think, one of the things that cheer me up because as we gather in our homes and hear the message of God's word and study the, the Bible together and worship God and commune at the table, we're doing that in faith and we're doing that as one congregation. So this message really comes off the heels of what the Hebrew writer is developing in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 and 7. And it's really crucial to realize that at this point in this document, the writer to the Hebrews is saying that you need to follow suit with the kind of faith that was unyielding to circumstance. You need to have faith that can overcome obstacles and you need to be able to realize that God and his promises are always worth it. In Hebrews chapter 11 then, you have these great examples of faith. And the first example is Noah. Look at this text briefly here. It says here in Hebrews 11 verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah. See how that transitions? We're told about what faith is like and the importance of faith. And the first example is Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark to the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. A very common biblical idiom for God makes us right, not because we're sinless, but because of our faith that God then brings us over our sins into a relationship with him. And we get that through Jesus Christ. And that's a big argument here. And that's an important point for us. You see, what Noah did is an act of faith. And acts of faith are often odd to people who don't have a relationship with God, who are not pursuing God, who struggle with the unseen, but not Noah. See, Noah had the faith that made it possible for him to be pleasing to God because he did go and build. He did follow. It says in Genesis 6.22, and Noah did all that God commanded him. And so we see him build this great ark because with that faith, he knew it was possible to please God. And so we see again that it was this faith and this reverent fear 
that led him and empowered him to do this and accomplish this. And this means that Noah was pursuing God this whole time. That even though in the midst of everything that was going on, all the moral chaos, all the moral evil, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And part of that had to do with the kind of faith he had. He pursued God. And it's really important for us in, in our isolation and in this time in our lives that we make sure that even though we're isolated, even though we're practicing social distancing, and even though we have all this new language that we're learning and trying to learn about this new disease and all this stuff that's making a, a global impact, that we don't forget to pursue God. Noah pursued God in the midst of crisis. We can pursue God in the midst of our own crisis. Because as we're doing that, just to reiterate on this passage, we are drawing near to God. And that there are promises and rewards that God has given us when we follow Him and pursue Him. See, faith understands that although our relationship isn't because our relationship with God is not really based on this idea of that God always has a goodie bag for us if we do something right. But it does have to do with the fact that we trust his character and that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. His promises always come true and those promises are always filled with blessings for us. So, as we think about then how we can incorporate this idea of life in the ark Let's remember that we need to still pursue God with our faith. Pursue God in the midst of our struggles and challenges because they are not greater than God and they're certainly not greater than his promises. So what did they do? What did Noah and Mrs. Noah, what did Shem, Ham and Japheth and their, and their wives do? What did these eight souls do while in the ark? You know, uh, they were in there for quite a while. As the text points out, the flood continued 40 days on the earth, and the waters increased and bore on the ark, and it rose high above the earth. If you can imagine then this, this great, powerful ship that from those that have estimated and tried to give us a working knowledge, something comparable that we can wrap our heads around, it, at least two football fields long and could hold 52 cars, uh, train cars in its, in, in, inside the mass of this great ship. That's huge. That's enormous. I remember sitting in, at the canal in Panama and seeing these, these massive cargo ships coming and, and the ark is supposed to be not just of equal size, but bigger. It's just impressive to me to think about this. And as this great ship was on the ocean, being rocked about, Noah and his family and the animals that were brought onto the ark were alive and thriving, isolated from the world, isolated from the things going wrong around it. But nonetheless, they did this for 40 days. As the waters begin to come upon it. But as the days accumulate, 
we end up seeing that, the as the text tells us, that the waters prevailed on the earth for 150 days. And so when you think about how long that Noah and his family were, were in the ark, you got to wonder, what were they doing? Were they just crying? Were they sad? It's possible they went through a whole range of human emotions, just as we are doing this right now. They probably had, you know, what we call going, they probably went stir crazy, wishing to go for a walk, maybe to walk a, a giraffe or something. I don't know what kind of animals were in there. But they couldn't do that. But what could they do? What did they do? I think that they spent a lot of time in prayer. I think they, they had, they spent a lot of time re reflecting on that God was fulfilling his promises and that they felt secure that God was protecting them as they followed his word. Uh, I feel that, that they had a lot of room for application. I feel that they had a lot of time to, to dwell on their own relationship with God. And that's where I really want to encourage us today as this is our last section of this lesson. These eight souls were saved. Now, theologically, uh, the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 is connecting the relationship between um, the salvation that comes through Christ and the parallel argument that salvation came through the ark wherein eight souls were saved. That baptism is, is the same has the same power as the ark, except in a different perspective, spiritual salvation. But that word salvation has to do with preservation, has to do with, with a healthiness, it has to do with, with a lot of other residual ideas, and not just theological. We're whole. We're healthy. We've been made healthy. In fact, some of the times in Scripture when we read in the New Testament that faith has made a person whole or, or, or safe. The, the term is the one for you know, being saved. So it gives you a sense of the spectrum of how that word can be used. But think about this. How were they saved? And how were they made whole? And how were they preserved? And I think part of it has to do with using your time in the ark correctly. We can use it to do all sorts of evil things. We can use it to, to lose sight of who we are. We can lose it, uh, lose the opportunity that it is to have a better relationship with the people that we love and that we care about. You don't realize what you have to work on in terms of your interpersonal relationships until you are locked in a room with them. Until you have to depend on each other. When you cannot connect to friends and relationships outside of your, your intimate family and you're forced to make do with what you got. There's a learning opportunity here. And I don't know about you, but I, I get nervous when I read articles about how you know more marriages are, are contemplating divorce. I don't know how these news articles know what people are contemplating. I don't know where they get their information from, 
But if the suggestion is because husbands and wives are now home and no longer working their 9 to 5 and 40 hour work week. And now they're stuck with each other. And because of that, they don't want to dwell with each other anymore. Then maybe this is a great opportunity to strengthen our relationships and especially our marriages and our families. How do you do that? How do you do that? You take the opportunity to pray to God. I know of no better way to get things off your chest than pray. In the book of Psalms, which is really a series and collections of prayers and poems inspired by the Spirit, you get a whole range of human emotions. 150 poems of prayer. From anger to pain to sadness to joy to celebration of creation and celebration of God as being the great king of the universe. We get all of it. We even get rage. God, handle my enemies. Dash their children's heads against the rocks. This is sometimes, as sad as it may sound, how we feel. And God is under no obligation to do what we ask of him. But the power of the Psalms shows that at the very least, he hears it. He, get, he allows us to give it to him. Pray to God while you're in your ark. Do it in faith. James reminds us, James 1, that every time we reach out to God, we should do so in full faith and confidence that if we ask wisdom of him, he will give it to us and he will do it without any sort of bureaucracy. He won't stop the flood of wisdom if we will just be willing to ask, please give us your full wisdom. Give us your teaching. He won't hold back. He won't hold back. But we also need to trust in the promises of his word. You know, we get caught up in our church traditions and we get caught up in our problems and we act as if because we're not doing church the way we're used to, that there might be a problem there. But if we trust God of who is gracious and good, who teaches us to love our neighbor as ourselves, and which we are practicing right now during this time of social distancing, we know we can have faith and we can trust that our worship given to him in an authorized form, will be well received. We need to trust that what we're doing is right and that his promises are always true to his people. Thirdly, we need to take this time to care for each other. Life is very easy. In life, it's very easy to get lost. In our Western American society, we're we really encourage individualism and that affects and hurts our family dynamics and now our individualism is now being challenged by the need to be together whereas other societies and cultures still maintain their connected dynamic of a family unit you know that we we sometimes cringe as a society against the, the nuclear family of, of mother and father and children as if it's some sort of pariah in society. And maybe in our own setting, that, that historical setting of the 50s and 60s, maybe it didn't go so hot and go so well, but that's not a shot against 
the family, the need to be connected. Stay connected. Look out for each other. If you know people who have been vulnerable before this, keep an eye on them. Connect to them. Call them. We are not without our own opportunities and methods to reach out to each other. And finally, this reminds us of a time when we can stay connected to creation. I love the ocean. Perhaps more than I like any other part of creation. Growing up in San Francisco and going to Abraham Lincoln High School, my math class was on the third floor overlooking the ocean, overlooking the beach. Guess what? I failed math. Why? Because all I wanted to do was go to the beach. It's like the worst construction plan ever. Teenagers, study math or look at the beach. Guess what I did? But right now, you know, it's like we're concerned about traveling or we're concerned about being in. Maybe the best part of creation could be your backyard. Maybe the, for the first time you can take advantage of being outside in the wind and praying. Maybe for that walk you take around the block, you see things you never saw before. Maybe you're like some that will take that long drive up to a mountain somewhere and walk and take this hike. But it's a time to think about the beauty that God has created around us and the beauty that we long to be a part of. And just remember, God created this for us to enjoy. So let's enjoy it. My friends, my brothers and sisters, and those who are near to the kingdom of God, I ask you, think about what you're doing in the ark right now. Are you taking advantage of it? Or are you letting it rob you of this wonderful opportunity to pause your life and think about your relationship with God our Father through Jesus Christ and raptured by the Spirit? What are you doing? I pray you take time to take advantage of this time of the ark.